after that choir song and that testimony earlier, sister, we could just about pray and go home, but y'all aren't going to get quite that lucky today. So don't be grinning too big, because I am excited about what the Lord has for us to share together this week. Uh, Herbert called me about, I don't know, three or four months ago, maybe longer. I can't tell time anymore. It all runs together. But he said, uh, listen, David, I know you're busy. I don't want to keep much of your time, but I want you to pray about something for me. I said, well, Herbert, you know I will, anything. He said, well, I am looking for a really dynamic, powerful preacher to bring out for fall revival. Well, I'm already getting excited before we even finish talking. He said, yeah, we're going to be doing it sometime in October. Got a few dates to think about, and I want you to be praying about that. I said, Herbert, I would be glad to come out there. I'd be thrilled to come to Teresa. He said, I won't ask you to come. I ask you to pray that I'd find somebody. <laughs> but I suppose he didn't find anybody else or either felt bad that he had misled me, so he asked me to come on anyway. And I'll tell you, I really have been excited about coming out here, guys, because I think I'm kin to about half of you. I married one of the Clayton bunch, so I'm kin to about half of you. The other half of you I know from the community, or we've got connections somehow or another. And whenever I come to Therese, I just feel like I'm in a different room of the house. I do feel at home, and uh, you guys just got a special thing going out here. I'm telling you, when you hear the name Theresa Baptist Church in this community, it means something. You know, it represents a wonderful people, a wonderful pastor, and people who love the Lord, that's obvious. And every time you hear Theresa, there's something good to follow it. And I don't say that to flatter you guys because I, sometimes I go to churches and I can't say that. So I don't say anything. But what I'm here to tell you is that I'm excited, not just because I know you or just because you've got a great reputation in the community. I just love preaching the Word of God. And I'm not the best at it. You will find I am the least eloquent of all pastors except for Herbert. But you will find, <laughs> you will find <laughs> that... Uh, that I love the Lord and I, all I know how to do is preach and uh, just forgive my imperfections in that. But I really have been excited. And I'll tell you, I said something about when you hear Teresa, you think about a wonderful pastor. And that is so true. I don't need to tell you guys this, but you have got an incredible man at the helm of this ship. I'll tell you that. I run into Herbert all over the place. I mean, I can go to any of three counties and run to him at a hospital. Usually he's in a dead heat running with a pack of nabs in his hand. But I'm going to tell you something, this man loves the Lord and he loves y'all because he is always out there on the road visiting. And, uh, and I really, I'll be honest with you, every pastor that visits a church is supposed to pick on the pastor, right? Well, I don't have a lot to pick on Herbert about because honestly, I like him so much, I've sort of patterned myself after Herbert. I really have. I decided, you know, Herbert's doing such a good job preaching in Little Person County, I'm going to try it too. And he married a woman that is extremely patient, way too pretty, for him and that he didn't deserve. So I did the same thing. Then I saw him tooling around in a big, red, beautiful truck all over town. I said, well, I'm going to get me a big, red truck too. And that's just what I did. And I'm even working on the Herbert Brown haircut. I'm about halfway there. <laughs> I'm about halfway there. But I do have to say this, Herbert. This haircut that you started and I'm trying to mimic is not real protective. I was up in the church at Antioch. Most of you know we're in a construction process. I was up in the rafters running wires for the projector and stuff the other day, and it was sort of dark, you know, not a lot of lights in an attic. And I hit one of those rafters just as hard as you can imagine, and I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, I got to grab something because if I fall through this roof, I'm fired. I, so I grabbed a hold of something, but I cut that head. didn't have a lick of hair up there to protect myself. I don't know how you do it, Herbert, but I'm working on it. But, you know, there is one thing I am not going to do like Herbert Brown. He wears some of the worst cologne on the planet. What is that stuff, man? Midnight pasture? That is awful. Uh, 
But, but other than that, I, I want to be like Herbert Brown, and you guys are very fortunate. I'm kidding. I don't even know if he wears cologne. I'm not sure about that. But, uh, but it is a real honor to be here with you today. And through this time together, I want us to get back to the basics. We're going to talk about the Ten Commandments this week. If you noticed in your bulletin, the title of the message is Ten Commandments or Ten Suggestions. And I think you probably already know where I'm going. But the minute I said something about Ten Commandments, some of you guys said, well, that does it. If he's going to talk about something so elementary, something I learned in Bible school 50 years ago or 20 years ago, whatever the case may be, I'm just going to stay home and watch the game this week or shampoo the cat or something else. Listen, if you know them all by heart and you're living them all, then stay home, really, because you don't need what I got for you this week. But I doubt that's the case. You know, when I hear somebody talking about the Ten Commandments, people really do talk about, well, that's the basics, that's elementary. But I find very few Christians this day at time that can even recite the Ten Commandments without a great deal of difficulty. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hands, but is there anybody in here that really feels comfortable if I were to say, hey, would, come on up here right now and just stand up here and recite the Ten Commandments for me? Would you be completely comfortable doing that? I bet you'd falter a little bit. Sometimes we forget the basics. And so this week, I want us to get back to the basics. Because we can sit around and grumble at what we see on the news and what's going on around us all we want to. We can hope that change is coming all we want to. But folks, I can tell you, it's not going to come in the heels of a politician no matter who we elect into public office or anyone else. It's going to come on the heels of the church that rises up, gets back to the basics, and not only knows the basics, but lives the basics. Our world is full of people who are just so hypocritical that we are starting to take a downhill slide in a big way. And you know what I'm saying is true. It's sad. Our own CIA website for the government says that our nation is over 80% Christian. Can you believe that? Our nation, America, is over 80% Christian according to the CIA.gov. I don't see it. Because if that were the case, the news would look different every night. And the things that are going on even in this sleepy little town of Roxborough would be different. Because if 80% of this country were Christian and just understood the Ten Commandments, just the basics, and began to live those things out in their life, we know that things would look far different. And I know what happens a lot of times. We may know these things, but life gets in the way, right? And you say, well, you know, I hear you, preacher, but I, I just, you know, you don't understand my situation. I don't need to understand your situation. I understand God's boundaries. And when we begin to live within those, things get better. You may be saying, well, I'm just one person. Can I really make a difference? You can make all the difference in the world. Jesus took a group of guys that were nothing but just ragtag tax collectors, fishermen, farmers, folks just like you and I, and turned the world on its ear. Just 12 of them. And we got way more than 12 folks, and here I got more than that behind me in this choir, which, by the way, that was a beautiful choir. I could sit and listen to that all morning. Y'all are more awake at this time of morning than my crowd is yet today. I mean, most of the folks at Antioch are still rolling out of bed right now. This is just amazing to see this many folks this early and to hear you sing like that. But, you know, you think you can't do it if just one person this week gets a hold of these Ten Commandments and begins to truly live them in their life. I guarantee you things are going to be different. Because God can use just one faithful person to make all the difference in the world. But just imagine if all of us were to be sincere about these things. Turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. It is the fifth book of the Bible, right in between Genesis and Revelation, if you're having difficulty finding it. It is 
sort of a, it's one of those books written, we think, by Moses, and it consists of like three sermons that Moses preached to the children of Israel. This is sort of a new generation. You know the story. They were in Egypt in captivity. God leads Moses to lead the folks out. They, God provides for them. God saves them from the soldiers that are coming after them in the Red Sea. He gives them food. He gives them water. He provides everything they need, and he protects them as they leave during the Exodus. And so this is happening right about that time frame, 1541 B.C. He is preaching to the second generation of folks that have come out. So some of the older folks have passed on, and now he's preaching to those who remain. And this book, like I said, is three sermons, but they're all really about the second giving of the law. Because even though they had been delivered out of all kinds of troubles and struggles and issues, they had sort of forgotten the basics. So I don't want you to be insulted that I am giving the Ten Commandments to you this week. Moses felt, necessary, felt it necessary to do that because God had directed him to because this younger generation had just sort of forgotten. And so that's what this book is all about as he shares with them the law that was given on Mount Sinai just a generation before. And just a few things before we get into these Ten Commandments to share with you. You know, there are some issues that these so-called liberal scholars these days have raised. And I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not much about the liberal scholars just because I'll tell you, they have got all the book sense in the world, but they have lost one of the most important things in humanity, and that's common sense. I mean, they just ain't got sense enough to get out of the rain because they've learned too much from books. You know those folks. And I'll be honest, I'm all about education and studying to show ourselves approved. We need to do that. But on the other hand, we can't disengage our mind and logic and common sense, and we're seeing it on a wholesale level in America today. People just don't use common sense. And these scholars would say three things at least about the Ten Commandments. Well, you know, Ten Commandments are antiquated. They're not really relevant for today. Culturally speaking, we really can't stick to all that, can we? And I, I'm telling you, this is coming out of some of the seminaries, folks. I'm hearing it. I'm hearing young preachers come out of seminaries that are saying, you know, it's a good guideline, but, you know, are, are not really relevant for today. It was written so many years ago. I just told you they were written back about 1541 B.C. So are they relevant? Well, let me ask you this. Is God still relevant? Is God the same yesterday, today, and forever as the Scriptures teach us? Well, I sure hope so, and I believe with all my heart He is. And if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then aren't His expectations for His children the same yesterday, today, and forever? Folks, let me just clarify that for you. What's in this Word may have been written thousands of years ago, but if God expected it from His children then, He expects it from His children now. Yes, the Ten Commandments are still relevant, just as much today as they, they were given to the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. That's the second argument the scholars would say. Well, that's just for the children of Israel. It doesn't really apply to the New Testament church. Are you kidding me? Did not Jesus Himself quote the Old Testament and even the Ten Commandments time and time again in the New Testament? Is it just for Israel? I certainly think not. And I hope you agree with me. But even if we said it was just for the children of Israel, let's face it, we've been grafted into that special family of God. And so are the Ten Commandments relevant? Yes. Are they relevant for us? As pig-eating Gentiles, yes, you better believe it is. Not just the Jews, not just His chosen people, Israel. What about the last one? Are these things really commandments or just suggestions? Well, I don't know. I'll tell you, I think about the law when I think about this kind of thing because the Ten Commandments was given as the law. Is the law suggestion to you? I'll tell you, our state troopers don't seem to think so. I won't forget this thing. I went to see my parents down in Louisiana one time, 
And they lived down, I mean, literally in the swamps of Ponchatoula, Louisiana. I don't know if anybody's even heard of that town. But this town, let me tell you a little bit about it. It is the strawberry capital of the world, and they have the largest alligator in captivity as their town mascot. His name, I'm telling you, it's Backwoods, folks. I mean, you'll think Roxboro's Backwoods. This is Boone Docks. You hear me? Well, they've got this old hard hide, which is the alligator, right in the middle of town square. And every day there's this big event because at noon somebody goes out there and throws live chickens in there to old hard hide that alligator. So this is a bit of a strange place. And I, if you're from Louisiana, forgive me, but I'll tell you it's just a little bit of different culture down there. It really is, especially the further out you get from the cities. So I, t I called my sister up one day and I said, listen, I want you to meet me at the airport, but don't say anything to Mama and Benny about me coming. I want it to be a surprise. I didn't get to see them that often growing up, so I said, I'm going to fly down. You come pick me up, and we'll drive down, and I'll just walk in the door and surprise them and ask them if supper's ready. Well, we had it all planned out. She showed up on time at the airport. They had just moved to Louisiana from Texas, so she shows up at the airport on this truck with Texas tags on it, remembering we're in Louisiana. And I said, well, let's go on and get home. And she said, well, I want you to drive because I can't drive in this city. This is terrible. I, I can't. If I'd have known it was going to be like this, I wouldn't have come got you. But I said, okay, I'll drive. You just tell me the way. So I hop behind the wheel of this truck now. Remember, I'm in Louisiana. I'm in a truck with Texas tags. And guess what license I've got in my back pocket? It was from North Carolina. Well, we get on the bridge across Lake Pontchartrain. It is literally a 21-mile bridge. I'm not exaggerating. 21 miles over Lake Pontchartrain and a bunch of swamps. And I'll tell you, some of those swamps just look scary just looking at them. So I kept my eyes on the road and just kept going forward and apparently got to going too fast. Now, I don't ever speed. Lord, forgive me for that fib. But anyway, I was going across that bridge, and I, I evidently I just got in a hurry and didn't realize it. Well, the next thing I saw was something you do not want to see when you have a North Carolina driver's license driving a truck with Texas tags in Louisiana in the middle of the swamps. I saw blue lights. I saw, oh, no. My heart sunk just like the rest of you when one of North Carolina's finest pull you over. I pulled over to the side of the road on this bridge, this huge shoulder there. Guy gets out of the car and comes walking up, you know, sort of sauntering up, and he looks at me, and, and I heard those words that just make you cringe. He said, you ain't from around here, are you, boy? I, I, I immediately began to pray even harder than normal. I said, no, sir. I came down to surprise my parents. My sister picked me up, and so she didn't want to drive, so here I am driving across this bridge. And he said, well, he said, I hope you have a good visit. He said, but I want to tell you, he said, these little signs we got on the roads here in Louisiana with numbers on them, they are not suggestions. They are the law, and I'm going to give you this little piece of paper here to remind you of that. And so I got a ticket. So let me ask you this. Are the laws of the land suggestions, or are they laws? They're laws, and you need to abide by those things. Otherwise, we get reminders in the way of discipline. And I don't know about you. I've been to the woodshed with God several times in my life. I have been disobedient many times, and it is not a good place to be. It really isn't. I've tried it both ways. There's obedience to the law, and then there's disobedience to the law. One brings blessing, one brings discipline. I really prefer the blessing. I hope you do as well. That's why I want to share this with you this week, because even though I may not personally know every one of you, I love every single one of you, and I want blessings for your life, and that comes through obedience. Yes, God's commands will bring that kind of thing. So without any more long introduction, let's get into the text just to give us sort of a, 
an opportunity to think about what this week's going to be about. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 1 through 22. And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that you may learn them and keep and do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us who are all of us here alive this day. The Lord talked with you face to face in the mount in the midst of the fire. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid by reason of the fire and went not up into the mount, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt have none other before me. Thou shalt not make any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the grandchildren unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the Lord of thy God, the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thine cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and the maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee, Keep the Sabbath day. Honor thy father and thy mother, as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, neither shalt thou steal, neither shalt thou bear false witness against thy neighbor, neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife, neither shalt thou covet thy neighbor's house, his field, or his manservant, or his maidservant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is thy neighbor's. These words the Lord spake unto all your assembly in the mount out of the midst of the fire, of the cloud, and of the thick darkness, with a great voice. And he added no more. And he wrote them in two tables of stone, and he delivered them unto me. Please join me in prayer, if you will. Father, I thank you so much again for the opportunity to be here at Theresa this week and today. I pray that you would just speak through me and get me out of the way because I know I can't do this. But, Father, I know ultimately your word and your spirit speak for themselves. And I pray that that's what takes place this week. And if nothing more, I pray that we be reminded of the basics that you expect of us as your children and that we would leave here being more obedient each day and that you would use that to change the world in a positive way. And I pray that you would bless the reading and the hearing of your word this morning for it's in your name I ask it. Amen. Quickly now, in the time we have left, I'm just sort of trying to set you up and wet your whistle for the rest of the week. My point is real simple. We need to get back to the basics, and I hope you agree. And by the head shakes, I think you do. I think you understand what we need to do as Christians. But let's look at this and just pick apart the first few verses. Verse 1, it says, Moses called all of Israel. He didn't call just a few of the folks or the deacons or just the head honchos. He called everybody together so that they could hear what God had to say. And what did God have to say? He wanted to remind them of the statutes and judgments, not the ten suggestions. 
he wanted to remind them of the Ten Commandments that God had given so much earlier there with the, the former generation. He said, so as I speak, listen. Listen, I know there's a lot on your mind this morning. There will be a lot on your mind every night this week that you show up. But tune that stuff out because God has something to say to you. There are no mistakes. If you are here, it's a divine appointment, and God has something for you, even if it's just one little thing. He's saying, I want you to hear because God is trying to say something to you. So I want it to go in your ears, but I don't want it just to stick. Remember what James says, it's not enough to be a hearer of the Word. We can hear and know the Word all day long. But he said, I want you to hear it, learn it. In other words, commit it to yourself. Learning doesn't mean you just hear it. Learning means you hear it and you do whatever it takes to remember it. We all have different styles of learning. Maybe you need to repeat it over and over and over to let it stick. Maybe you need to have a visual. Whatever the case may be, he's telling them to hear what I've got to say and learn it. Let it matter to you. And then he says, keep and do them. Now, it looks like to me in the King James that keep and do mean the same thing. Around here, if we say keep something or do something, it means about the same thing. But here that word keep in the Greek means to observe. He says, I want you to hear them again, be reminded of them. I want you to learn them. And then I want you to observe them, which is not just doing. Observing means it's something that settles into your heart and mind, and it's not just something you do. Now, he wants you to do them. He wants you to hear these Ten Commandments and do those things in life, but not just do them. He wants it to be such a part of your life that it's part of who you are. And so that's what he's saying. As I give this law to you again, as I remind you, as I preach to you this Decalogue, which just means a catalog of ten, I want you to learn them, to observe them, to keep and to do them. He said, remember, this is not just words I'm speaking. Folks, I'm not going to get up here and just give you my opinion all week long. I am picking up God's instructions, His love letter to you. He's reminding us here in verse 2 that this is not just any old book. This is not just any old set of words He's speaking. He says these came from the Lord. The Lord our God made a promise or a covenant with us in Horeb. He said He made this covenant not just with our forefathers but with you. Again, this is the second generation. Most of these people would have been younger when the first uh, commandments were given, but they would have been there in the flesh. And he's saying, God made this promise to you. Now, how does that apply to us? Were any of you there? And I see some folks that, you know, have that beautiful white hair that I'll never get. Mine will never turn gray. It's just going to turn loose. But I see some folks who have that beautiful hoary head, as the Scriptures describe it, which is a crown of glory. And you may have some age on you, but none of you guys were around in 1400 B.C., were you? So how does this apply to us? It applies to us because what God speaks to His children travels down through the ages and, again, is just as relevant for you guys and for me as it was for them. God made a covenant with Israel. He made a promise with them. But throughout the New Testament, that new covenant He made, He refers to these things and says, I promise you as well that if you will hear and keep and do my commandments, I'm going to bless you too. But Moses is reminding them, he said, the Lord our God made this covenant with you. The Lord talked with you face to face in the mountain in the midst of the fire. If you'll go back at some point in your study time to Exodus 19, especially in verse 9, you find out that when the law was given the first time, the children of Israel were scared to death. It sounds a lot like a volcano because as they're up on Mount Sinai at the bottom there at the base, and then Moses is up top, there is so much fire and smoke that they really can't see God, but they hear Him speaking to Moses as He presents the tablets to Him. 
And he says, the Lord is talking to you guys. You might not have seen him, but he was talking directly to you in the midst of the fire. And I stood between the Lord and you because you were afraid. So Moses said, you know, I'm going to hear what he has to say. I'm going to bring it to you. And that's exactly what he did. And he says, then, I am the Lord your God. He speaks to them that. And that's the first thing we have to settle before you can even begin to have revival, Teresa. If the Lord is not your God, then nothing else fits for the rest of the week. Now, most of the time when I preach revivals, I go under the assumption that most people in the church are saved. But the reality is, in a group this size, there are those who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I so appreciated your testimony this morning. God does not care about what we do, where we've been. He just cares about where we want to go. And if we accept Him and make Him our God, then that's when we begin our lives. And I just want to say to you, if you happen to be that person that's never made that commitment, there will come a day when you will expire. We don't want to talk about that, but we all have an expiration date just like a jug of milk. The beautiful thing is when we pass, we don't have to sour like that jug of milk. We can go on and be something far better. For me, that would be cheese because I think that's just manna from heaven. But that's just me. But you get the analogy. We don't have to sour. We can just bust heaven wide open if the Lord is our God. And so I could just stop there and preach for hours. But since we've got another service coming up in a little while, see, I'm not used to that, Herbert. See, usually when I'm done, I'm done. I go eat. But anyway, since we've got another service coming up, I won't run a bunch of rabbits. But the bottom line is, first of all, before revival can come, the Lord has to be your God and no other. I hope you've settled that, and I hope if you haven't, you will blaze a trail down this altar this morning, and you'll find Herbert's hand and your knees and make that right. And then God begins to list those Ten Commandments. Now, I'm not going to list that again this morning. We've read through them, and you know basically what they are. But each night this week, we're going to pull apart a couple of these commandments and really dig in, because I think they're so basic, sometimes we forget how deep they really go and how much they affect every facet of our lives. But let me tell you what God offered them in the Decalogue, that Ten Commandments He gave them. The first four of them dealt with loving Him and respecting Him as the Lord our God. The last six dealt with the loving other people. Now, isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew 22? He said, The greatest commandment is this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And the second one is likened to it, Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, on all the other commandments, you could hang these two. He said, these are the most important. And that's what the Ten Commandments are, is a better understanding of who God is and how we should love and respect Him, and then how we should respond to society and each other. And so this week, I hope just this introduction will be enough to get you back so that you can get into these Ten Commandments with me, and we can discover exactly what God expects of us as His people. And I promise you, if you'll show up and if you'll listen and if you'll learn and if you'll keep and do these commandments, life is going to get better than it's ever been for you. I'm not saying you haven't been. I'm just saying there's always room for improvement, aren't, isn't there? So as we close in prayer at this point, the point is real simple. These commandments are not suggestions. They are boundaries within God expect us to live. And when we do, things are the way He intended them to be and He can bless us. Teresa, I pray that you will be here, that you will learn, and that you will be blessed because of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this people. 
I just look forward to what you have for us this week. And in this introduction, I pray that we have been at least reminded that you do have expectations of your children, and your expectations have not changed over the years. You do expect us to love you with all that we are and love others in the same fashion. If we just get a handle on these ten little commandments, we could turn the world on its ear. But, Father, I know that revival won't come because of me. It won't come because of any music or any services that we put on. It'll come as you move in people's heart and they get a glimpse of you and respond correctly. So I pray now that you would just touch people in this invitation and move them as you see fit. I pray it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.